0: Welcome to broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I want to speak to you for the next couple moments from the subject uh, divine misconceptions. Divine misconceptions. I want to talk to you about the misconceptions that we sometimes have about God. And I'm going to go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, it's not Christmas unless you read Luke chapter 2, FYI. Uh, if it's Christmas and you haven't read Luke chapter 2, you're just not doing it right. Okay, so Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it'll be on the screen, and we'll read through verse 16 together. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby Jesus to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, and she placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Many of you have heard this story, the Christmas story, and heard many messages, I'm sure, on the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And I want to talk about one character in the story uh, just for a couple moments as we uh, end our time together. I want to talk about the shepherds. The shepherds have always intrigued me because if you study the shepherds, shepherds were despised. They were lowlifes. They they, they, they had not done well in life. The, the, The shepherds should not have been the ones that the angels showed up to. They didn't deserve it. They were not qualified for an angelic visitation that would declare that the coming Messiah has come and that he's close by. The, sh- the shepherds uh, would oftentimes stay outside of the city. They were deemed unclean by Jewish law because they dealt with animals and sacrifices. So they were unclean, so that means their, their influence was very limited. Their sphere of influence, their friends were very limited. And, and so they would live outside the city as they took care of sheep, N- not-, not the ideal job. And, and, and as I looked at these, I've realized a lot of things, and this is what I want to talk about for a couple moments, is that, that I think that, that God, when he looked at the earth and, in the Old Testament, he saw many misconceptions about who he was. And when he sent Jesus, I think he sent Jesus as the answer or the antidote to the misconceptions in men's minds of who he was. I don't know about you, but I have struggled at times having misconceptions, all right? I've had a lot of misconceptions. When I got married, I had some misconceptions. Anybody married? You've probably had some misconceptions about marriage. Like when I got married, like I was, I needed Jesus really bad. I, I, I thought that once we got married, supernaturally, uh, Jamie would know exactly like when I was hungry and she would take that upon her assignment from God to help feed the hunger in this physical body. And so on, on my first day home, okay, and, and some of you heard this story because this is a real, this is real pivotal for us. Uh, first day home after our honeymoon, I go to work, I come home from work, and, and I'm excited to be home. And so I'm, I'm thinking two things in my depraved male mind. I'm thinking two things coming home from work. I'm thinking dinner and, and, and after dinner. It's enough said. Uh, the kid's in the building. And that, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, man, this is, this is like married life. I oh, mean, I got this ideal in my mind. So I walk in, and I'm like, Jamie, I'm home. Hey. So The house is only 800 square feet. Like, you can't hide, okay? Like, hello, I'm here. Your husband has arrived. <laughs> and she's sitting in the kitchen. She's like, hey, good to see you. And I'm like, so where's the dinner? And she's like, oh, I had macaroni and cheese. You can make whatever you want. In reality begin to set in. I had some misconceptions about how our, our married life was, was, was going to go. And I needed to grow up in all kinds of ways. And Pastor Steve has helped me see the light in a lot of my selfish mentalities. But misconception, I think there's misconceptions in parenting. Anybody have kids? Okay, y- y'all, it's good. Cool. You got to figure it out. Uh, there were some misconceptions for me because I had my, my oldest son, Jude, and uh, he, he was amazing, and we parented him, and we knew what we were going to do already, and we did it, and it worked, so we're kind of like judging everybody else on the planet, and, and we thought the same thing would work for the second kid, just like the first kid, and then Genesis came, and we did the same things, and it, it, it didn't work. I think it's his fault because it's like Jude responded, he didn't. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, we had some misconceptions. I just thought the same thing that worked for Jude would work for Genesis. And and it didn't. I did the same things expecting the same result, and I got a different result, and I didn't know what to do. Misconceptions. I think everybody's got misconceptions. You know, I had some misconceptions about the ministry, going to the ministry. I mean, this noble calling, the ministry. I'm like, people are, like, really going to respect this life choice, And I found out real quick that the question I got more than anything was, what do you do the other six days of the week? So, yeah. I do work full-time. It's it's a full-time job. But anyways, um, some of you have that misconception. It's cool. Um, Yeah, I'm working overtime this week. Today's Saturday. Um, Just joking. Just joking. I had misconceptions. Misconceptions. About, about what ministry was and, and what it would be. I thought like when you gave people advice, they would take it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's crazy. Um, it, misconception. It, this, this might ring a bell with you or, or, or relate with you. Some, I think people sometimes have misconceptions about God. Just a, about who he is. His character, His nature. I think people have misconceptions uh, about His intentions or what His plan for their lives or for the world in general. I think we have misconceptions about God. And I think that God, in His foreknowledge and in His love, sent Jesus as an answer to the misconception of our mind about God. Because if you know God in the Old Testament, then you know God was like doing some stuff. You know, like 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 the Earth was swallowing up and like swallowing people, opening up and swallowing people. It's like, all right, God's like serious. There's like floods that took over the earth. you know It's like, okay, this God guy, like we might have some misconceptions, okay? And, and I think God, in his love for humankind, devised a strategy and a plan in his Son Jesus, so that he could answer the misconceptions. Of the world. And I wanna show you from Luke chapter 2, one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. I wanna show you from Luke chapter 2, how God answered the misconceptions of the world through his son Jesus, the Messiah of the world. The first thing I want you to look at is, and this this I love, is is that that he was close by. Jesus was close by. It says in verse 8, and there were shepherds that were living out in the fields nearby they were close in the message translation it says that god was in the neighborhood i love that god was in the neighborhood see one of the most common misconceptions about god is that god is oh, he's a long ways away from us there's a common misconception about god is that he's far away from us he is at a distance We feel distance, and maybe you felt this. You felt like God doesn't know what you're going through, that he's at a distance from you. He's a long ways off. Maybe he's close to someone else, but he's not close to you, and this is a common misconception about God, and this is the way God answered that, is in the story in Luke chapter 2, the angels show up to the shepherds. I mean, they like, I don't know if you can imagine this, but like the shepherds are just out there doing their thing, you know? They've been out there for years just doing the same thing, and all of a sudden, like, it's an angel. It's like, you know, he's probably like rubbing his eyes like, you see that, right? Like, we've been out here a long time. It's like, no, no, for real, that's an angel. And the angel begins to speak to him. They have this conversation, this discourse. And, and the angel says, God is nearby. He's in the neighborhood. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this, God is in your neighborhood. God's close to you. He's not distant from you. He's not far from you. God is close to you. He sees your situation. He sees your life. He sees your decisions. He sees the way that you're moving and going. And God is close to you. Acts chapter 17, verse 27. It says, God did this. He arranged these things so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any of us. Did you know that God's not far from you? He says he did this so that men might reach out. Did you know that God would never ask you to reach out if he was not within reach? God would never ask for us to reach out to him if he wasn't within our reach. That's outside of God's character to ask you to do something that you're not able to do. He says reach out to me because you can actually reach out to him. It was about a year ago or so and, and uh, we, Jamie and I were downstairs watching uh, TV and so we were watching a show and, and um, all of a sudden Jude has gotten out of his bed and he was supposed to be asleep and he had wandered down and he you know struts over to us and he's visibly upset, like he, something has really got him upset. And, and he says, Daddy? I'm like, yes, Jude. He says, you didn't hear me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't hear you. And I'm very compassionate, as you can see. Um, and, and, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't hear you. And he's like, I have been yelling for you. You didn't hear me. I'm like, Jude, I'm downstairs. I'm right here. You can just come down anytime. Like, I'm right here. And so we sent him back upstairs. And, 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 and you know what I was thinking? I think that many of us are this way with God. We, we, we shake our fists at God saying, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me, and God's saying, hey, 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 calm down. I'm in the neighborhood. I'm right downstairs. You don't even got to yell for me. I'm actually close to you. I'm closer than you think I am. And I would like to say this to you, as God's closer than you think that he is. He loves you more than you think he loves you, and he's closer than you think that he is. God came near. He was close by. And number two, this is interesting, how God answers misconceptions. It says he came in the night. The second part of that scripture says that the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks at night. you think like they were sleeping at night. But shepherds, specifically in that day, at night, the, their sheep were more prone to predators than any other time. It was the night. Predators would come. And so it was in that day shepherds would actually do circles around their sheep. They would walk all night long to protect the, 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 the sheep from predators. And it says that the angel showed up in the night. Let me give you another misconception about God. Is that my situation is too bad for him to concern himself with. My night is too dark. My pain is too much. My situation is too intense. My diagnosis is not healable, fixable, repairable. And we begin to feel this, and this is a misconception about God, is that somehow we've gotten outside of his ability. We've gotten outside of his power. And one of the ways that God fixed that is prophetically he shows up to shepherds at night. At night, and you, you heard the, the song already as we sang the candles and heard Carissa share. The, the, the light of the world is Jesus. He is the light of the world. I I don't know about you, but sometimes my pride can can get in the way specifically of needing help. I like to do things on my own. I like to figure it out on my own. I I like to see if I can get it done without the directions, you know? It's a challenge. It's fun. When you're driving, it's fun to try to get somewhere without looking at the map. And, And then, you know, someone in the car might mention, hey, do you need the map? No, no, I'm good. I got it. Like, I know how to get there. And three long turns later, a couple U-turns, and you're 30 minutes late. No, I got it. I got it. Now you're three hours late, and event's almost over. It's like, okay, get the map. Get the map. Because finally you get to a place where you can admit that you need help. See, this is where I think a lot of people are in their life is they wait and they wait and they wait on God until they get to the place where the night is so dark that they will actually say yes to him. And I wonder if that's why sometimes God shows up in the night. Is not that he's gone in the day, but then our eyes are open in the night to our need for him. That when the situation gets so dark, we recognize that we cannot save ourselves and that we need a savior. God, God chose their darkest hour to tell them about the coming light. The prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it says, Arise and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Isaiah was prophesying about a coming light that even when darkness covered the people and darkness covered the earth, that there would be a light that would rise upon you. This is what the angels were telling the shepherds in the middle of the night, that there is a light that is coming. I said it in our prayer in the exhortation moment, is that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Light is on its way. I have never seen a night be so dark that the sun has failed to rise in the morning. It's a waiting game. Maybe some of you need to hear this. The night is not going to last. Your season is not going to last. It will pass. It will end. There is some light at the end of the tunnel. There is a light and his name is Jesus. John chapter 1, Carissa read this scripture, verse 4. It says, in him, Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What is the light? The light is Jesus. It says, in him was life, and the life was light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not have even the ability to overcome it. I love that. Did you know that when we turn on the lights in here this morning, we turn the lights on, and there was not a battle between light and darkness? There was not this moment of tension as we waited. Like, is it going to be light? Is it going to be dark? We turn the lights on, the darkness left, and the light filled the place. When Jesus entered the world, there was not a battle between light and darkness. When the light came on, the darkness fled. And that is the life, the light that has entered our world. He, sometime, he came in the night. The third thing we see is that he came, and I want you to see this because this is very important. He came to you he came to to you. Verse 15 or verse 11 says this, "Today in the town of David a savior has been born." We would think that's how it would read. "Today in the city of David a savior has been born." Period. But for some reason, the angels saw fit to tell the shepherds, low life, unqualified, disqualified, despised shepherds, they saw fit to say, "Hey, there's a king that's been born." And he's been born to you. See, this is the power of God. I love this. This is the power of God, is that that God is for all, but he's also to you individually. He he sent Jesus for everyone, but he also sends him to you individually. That's the grace and the mercy and the relational God that we serve is that he's not just saying, here's a chance for everyone. He says, here's a chance for everyone, but I'm going to interact with you Individually, I am going to minister to you your, your needs. Jesus was sent for and to you. God gave Jesus for all, but in his great love and power, gave him to each one individually, simultaneously. When, when, when the angels came to the shepherds, they, the shepherds didn't know what to do with all this attention. I mean, these guys on the back side of the wilderness, outside of the city, deemed unclean, and all of a sudden they get like an angelic choir that is saying the Messiah of the world that they had heard prophesied and promised, it was born to them. But that's the amazing thing about Christmas. That's the amazing thing about the gospel is that Jesus was born to your great-great-grandfather, but he's also born to you. And he's also going to be born to your kids. And he's born to those who are rich. And he's born to those who are poor. And he's born to those who are despised. And he's born to those who are respected. He is born to all, but individually connects with each person because of his love and grace through the, through the relationship that we can have with him through Jesus. Jesus was born for you and to you. Verse 12 gives us the key, and this is where we'll spend the rest of our time as we conclude today. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, this would be normal to us because we've read Luke chapter 2 and we know about Christmas. And we're like, yeah, the baby, he's in a manger because there's no room in the inn. We've heard the songs. We've read the story. We got it. But it's interesting to me that when God was speaking to the wise men, he sent a star the wise men got a star, and the shepherds got detailed instructions. The the, the shepherds got what the wise men should have got. They should have been for the shepherds. have been like, hey guys, there's your sheep. There's the angel. There's the star. Can you follow it? That's what it should have been. But to the wise men, that's all they got was a star. The shepherds got the detailed instructions about how the Messiah would be born, how he would come, and what he would be lying in, and what he would be wrapped in. Wouldn't it have been enough if they just said the Messiah is coming, and he's in Bethlehem? You'll find him with Mary and Joseph, but they gave specific instruction on how he would come. I want I to just help you see something, because this is so amazing. These shepherds were not any shepherds. Some people believe they're just a common, random shepherd, but, but to be just a common, random shepherd, Why? Did the angels show up to just a common random shepherd? These group of shepherds, most theologians, scholars believe, were the shepherds that took care of the tower flock or the flock of the tower, which were the sheep that were designated for sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of Israel. They were special shepherds that took care of all of the sheep to make sure they were innocent, to make sure they were blameless, to make sure they were spotless, And those sheep were preserved. And when a lamb was born, they would put a lamb in the manger. And they would wrap it with swaddling cloths to get it settled, to keep it contained, and to make sure that it would keep its purity and not break a bone or not be injured or devoured in any way because that lamb was set apart for sacrifice. I want you to see this, if you haven't seen already, is that when the angels showed up to the shepherds, if the angels would have said to the wise men, he is going to be born in a manger, he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, they would have been like, what? Why? That's what they would have said. So God had to lead them by a star. But when he went to the shepherds, these specific shepherds, when he went to them and he said, there is going to come a Messiah. And he's going to be born in a manger and he's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. The light bulb went on in the shepherd's head because they realized where their actual lamb had been. A, a new lamb had taken the place. There had been a substitution, that where there had once been a temporary sacrifice in that which was the lamb that they had shepherded. Now they were officially unemployed because that lamb had been replaced by a new lamb, the Lamb of God, that John would later declare, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. What that means for you and for me is that when that baby Jesus was born, he wasn't born just as a baby, just as a good man, or just as a prophet. He was born as a lamb, the Lamb of God. John His account in John chapter 1, verse 29, he says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. If you don't know this, in their relationship, they they, had seen each other. They had been around each other. And John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew that he was the Lamb. How do you know? I don't know. How did he come to, to understand it? I don't know. But when he saw Jesus, he didn't say, there's Jesus. He didn't say, there's the Savior. He didn't say, there's the Messiah. He said, there is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. The Bible tells us that when Jesus lived his life, he was later crucified. And the Bible says that they did not take his life, but he willingly laid it down as a ransom for all people. That when Jesus died on that cross, he said as, they were being, as he was being accused and he was being, being tried in court, it says he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. That's how Jesus was led. And he gave his life. And they put him on a cross. And they stretched him out. And they hung him. And he died, and the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But the Bible says that when this sacrifice was given, he was one sacrifice for all. The shepherds had become unemployed because they didn't need that flock anymore. They didn't need that lamb anymore because there had been a lamb that had been slain. The Bible says he was slain before the foundations of the earth, which means for us is that this was God's plan. They didn't murder Jesus. They fulfilled prophecy that was given that the Lamb of God would willingly lay down his life. So for you and for me, we could have a chance at eternal life. I think it's interesting that you have the wise men and you got the shepherds. You got the wise men who were Gentiles and rich. And you got the shepherds who were Jews and were poor. And each of them ended up at the scene where Jesus was born. You know what this tells me? It tells me that the Lamb of God was not given for one type of person. It's not, it's not given for a religious person, a good person, a right person. It is given for all people in every condition and every place and every, er, every continent and every state and every race and every ethnicity and every background and everything that we would say is right or wrong or good or bad. God came through Jesus for all. So these shepherds are there, and when, when the she, when the angel said he is going to be born in a, a manger, and he's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths, they knew at that moment how important this sacrifice would be. The light of the world appeared to wise men, and he appeared to shepherds. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can have misconceptions about who God is, about how he works or how he acts. But let me just say it this way, is that God loves you so much that he sent an answer. Or let me say it this way, God loves you so much that he sent clarity to your misconception so that you could have in Jesus The answer to every one of your questions. The Bible says that he came as a man so that he could suffer like we suffer. The the Bible says in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way just as we were. So that he could have compassion or he could have sympathy and empathy on us. on who we, So he would know what we've gone through. So when the Lamb of God came, it was so that he could feel what we feel. So that he could have compassion on us. And when he died, he died as a sacrifice for all mankind. That you and I could have a chance at new life. The Bible says whoever is in Christ, whoever is in the Lamb, is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. God saw fit for Jesus to be born in a manger in filth. I think that's special. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born into what I live in. He was born into the filth of my life. He was born into the filth of my decisions. He was born into the barn of my destiny. He was but he was born right into my life. And so I don't know what you're dealing with but I love what John said. He said, behold, in the King James Version, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me just tell you what that means, that the Lamb of God has come. It means you can look at your sickness and you can tell it, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You can look at your dysfunction and you can say behold the Lamb of God. You can look at whatever has disqualified you and you can say behold the Lamb of God. You can look at whatever is trying to hold you back and say behold the Lamb of God. You can look at whatever problem you're facing and say behold the Lamb of God because the fact that the Lamb of God came means that light has come and wherever you are encountering darkness there is an expiration date on that light is coming arise and shine let your light shine for the glory of the Lord shines about us deep darkness covers the earth but his light shines on you would you stand up with me all across this place I love talking about Jesus and him coming and what that means for us what that means for you and for me. See, you could come in today, and you could be walking with Jesus, and you could love Jesus with all your heart, but it doesn't mean that you don't have misconceptions about God. You, you could have grown up in church. You could have, I mean, you could know every song, you could know every scripture, but you could have a misconception about God, and I'm here to tell you tonight, and we did this whole service to let you know this, is that Jesus is the answer to your questions. Jesus is the answer to the world today. Jesus is the answer to everything that we're going through. He is the solution to the misconceptions of our human mind. He loves you so much. God loves you so much. On this Christmas season, you need to know that God loves you. The shepherds didn't deserve it. They weren't qualified for it. But God saw fit to reveal himself to them so I say it this way God's pleasure is towards those who are powerless And when you're powerless to save yourself God has the power to save you when you're powerless to redeem yourself God has the power to redeem you when you're powerless to get over what you've been through on your own God has the power to help you move on and that answer is found in Jesus the life and the light of the world. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com